Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. just like that we're back another edition of the late kick extra podcast it's thursday morning january 6th year of our lord 2022 what a morning it's been so far do you know that i have already done late kick live before i record this i've already done late kick live our morning has been thrown off entirely nashville in the throes of a snowstorm got about half a foot of snow outside so far uh director colin producer jesse they are safe and accounted for but we had to get the show in because there was no way we were going to be able to come in tonight because the temperature is going to be like low teens, single digits. Everything that's falling is going to freeze. So there was no way we were going to be able to get in. Uh, we barely got in as we did, but we got the show in. So we're going to air that tonight. Late Kick Live. We've got the Late Kick Extra podcast coming at you right now, though. This is a mailbag exclusive podcast. We do it twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday morning. You can submit questions at Late Kick Josh on Twitter. Give me a follow while you're at it. At Late Kick Josh Instagram. Ditto or joshpate706 at gmail.com. We are uh, allegedly going to leave here and go to Indianapolis tomorrow. I just got great, great news from Jake Rowe. We got an exclusive dinner resi. I mean, an exclusive one. And you're talking to someone right now that's only had like five or six dinner reservations his entire life. I'm just telling you, I don't think there's an establishment where I grew up that they even take reservations. A lot of drive through windows, but very few reservations. So I'm looking forward to that. Indianapolis, some big-time major league steakhouses up there, and we're rolling into two of the best, actually, in consecutive nights. And also, we do have Late Kick Live from Indy somewhere on Sunday night. But that's then. This is now. Let's dive into the mailbag. I got great compliments the other day. I thought we did the best mailbag and then Late Kick Live combination in one day that we've done in a while. Some of you agreed with that. Thank you so much. I was really proud of the work we did the other day. Let's see if in some small way we can measure up today. It's mid-morning here. I just tweeted out. I'm recording. Submit questions. I'm going to answer them as you submit. Wanda just happened to be quick on the trigger here. She goes, do you watch all the bowl games or just the ones that interest you and which bowl games interest you the most? I would say I probably watched about 80% of the bowl games. The ones I didn't watch were certainly not because of lack of interest. I'm interested in all of them. I'm interested anytime they're playing and keeping score. Uh, there were times where we were traveling. There were times where I had work-related things. Some of them happened during the show. Shame on us. But yeah, I watch all of them. I have a real fun time betting with friends. Like I have separate bets on the side that I don't do, you know, through a normal sports book. And I'll have all kind of prop bets. And you can have those squares competitions. I don't participate in those, but I know a lot of you love those. I'm not against them. I just don't happen to participate in them. But I watch all of them, Wanda. So there is nothing off limits for me. The way I think of it is this. 
I think about what it's like in June. Think, put yourself in the middle of June right now. Spring games are over. You still got a whole month till media day, two or three months until camp opens. You haven't seen your team play since January, February, March, April. It's five months. That's almost half a year since you've seen football games. At that point, what would you give to watch the cheese at bowl? What would you give to watch Kentucky versus Iowa? And I think that was the Citrus Bowl. Uh, those were good games, by the way. Those New Year's Day games, the Outback and the Citrus always happen at the same time. You had, I think, Penn State, Arkansas, and you had Kentucky and Iowa. Like, those were great. I love those. I flew out of Miami at 6 a.m., flew to Atlanta, drove down to Columbus to hang out for the day uh, with my dad and my cousin because we always watch games together on New Year's Day if we can. And man, you have both those games going on at the same time. And then you got Notre Dame and Oklahoma State playing. That New Year's Day lineup, that's awesome. You know you're building towards the Rose Bowl. And the Rose Bowl certainly delivered this year, as it usually tends to do. So Wanda, I watch uh, just about every single one of those games. Now this is fun. Listen to this. Joe Johnson just posted this. He said, I saw a tweet the other day for a review board that players would submit their names to, and that board would inform them of their chances to get picked up in the portal, similar to the NFL draft advisory process. For those of you who don't know what the advisory board is, that's if I'm a junior and I'm thinking about going to the draft, I can submit my name and a committee of anywhere from scouts to GMs to various administrators and executives in the league, they give you feedback. They let you know roughly where you can expect to go in the draft. It's not an exact science, but it's a pretty good tool. So if I get a third round grade, I would normally come back to school. If I get a low first, high second round grade, I'm probably coming out. Well, what Joe is asking is he says he saw someone suggest that for the transfer portal. Now, this would be a mess, and I don't know necessarily that it would be plausible, but let's just pretend it would be plausible. That would be really interesting because what you're doing there, instead of trying to find out what round you're going to go in, I guess you're trying to find out what level of football or maybe what level within a level of football you could be picked up. You know, for instance, if Vanderbilt or Alabama picked you up, technically you went power five to the SEC. That's not the same caliber of program, all due respect. So I guess you would be reaching out. I don't know who you would be gauging, though. Would player personnel directors, would head coaches, would uh, coordinators and assistants, would they be open with that advisory board in saying if Joe Schmo is coming out of Arkansas State, we would take him so that then you can relay that feedback back to that player. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. It's an interesting concept, though. I'm trying to think in real time what the pluses and minuses. I don't know that there would be minuses. I just don't know what motivation a lot of those programs would have for participating with that advisory board. I don't know what the motivation would be because to me, if I know that Jameer Gibbs is going to transfer out of Georgia Tech, forget the advisory board. I'm just calling him directly and telling him, hey, you got a spot here. You know, or I'm doing it via back channel, whatever I can and can't do legally. Like, who's really going to pop me at this point? So I don't know if it would work, but it's an interesting concept there. Jacob, up next. How long will it take Brian Kelly to get LSU back to competing for a spot in the playoff? Give me two years. Now, whatever happens this year is whatever happens. I think the year after that, they will be a competitor, a contender for the playoff. Now, Jacob's not asking what year they'll make it. Keep in mind, I'm going to talk about this on Late Kick Live tonight. I promise I am. I know because we already recorded it. We're going to talk about some programs. LSU will be one of them. And their chances, like on a scale of 1 to 10, of making the national title game over the next three years. And I talked about that. I talked about A&M, too. 
Bama's always going to be there. But think about the SEC West. You got A&M, you got LSU, and you got Alabama. If we were just talking about those three, and we're not because Arkansas is there, Ole Miss is there, uh, Mississippi State was a hard out this year, Auburn, I think one of the biggest unknown commodities right now in major college football is Auburn. But let's just take those three. Take A&M, take LSU, and Bama's uh, mainstay. Think about that. That's all one division. So it's not like it's a one-team conference. It's one division. That's tough. But I do think that Brian Kelly is going to have LSU as a competitor for a playoff spot. They're going to be a team, in other words, that when you get into November, they're still in the conversation. And I think that is not that far down the road. I think that's 2023. If you told me, I'll give you a mulligan in 22, 23 is when I need results, I would feel comfortable with that. Colby up next. If Georgia wins the national title, who has to play the game of their life or the best game they've ever played outside of Stetson Bennett? Well, I'd look at Zamir White. I'd look at James Cook. I think those guys need to step up. I was doing Connor O'Gara's podcast, the Saturday Down South podcast earlier today, and we were talking about that. And I said, you know, a lot of folks have mentioned the name Stetson Bennett right out in front of their national championship preview And everyone thinks that it hinges on the performance of Stetson Bennett. That's not even the first offensive name that comes out of my mouth for Georgia. Just as I said when we were wrapping up the SEC championship game. I said, I don't even look at Stetson Bennett. I'm looking at the number 3.6. I'm looking at 3.6 yards per carry. That's what Georgia had today. You don't need to tell me anything else. Had you told me that before I walked in this building today, Georgia's only going to average 3.6 yards per carry. I'd say they're going to be in trouble. And that especially is true with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. I, I, I've said it repeatedly. Got a few more days of saying it. It's a different world. It is a totally different world when you can throw the ball out of luxury rather than necessity. Uh, so that, to me, Jacob is, or not Jacob, Colby, is what the key is. And therefore, you asked, well, which players have to play the game of their lives? You could circle offensive linemen if you wanted to, and I would agree with that. But it comes down to those running backs and turning 3.6 yards per carry into something that looks a lot more like what they did against Michigan. You get up over 5.0 yards per carry, just give me 4.5 yards per carry. And I think you'd be okay, and you put yourself in a situation there where you can potentially win that game with Stetson Bennett. Next up, good question here from Vince. He said, what do you put more value on for assistant coaches, their recruiting influence or player development and coaching? Vince, that depends on which program I'm running and how deep into my tenure I am. So Vince is a Miami fan. If I were Mario Cristobal right now, I'd prioritize recruiting. If I were Dan Lanning, who's at the place Mario Cristobal just came from, I would do exactly what Dan Lanning's doing. I would prioritize recruiting. I am always a believer that I've got to have the groceries before I start making the meal. And I, that means sometimes you've got to stock the cupboard. And if you have to sacrifice a little bit in that player development X's and O's department, then so be it. Like I said the other day on this very podcast, how often do you see a coaching staff when a new head coach comes in that's put together and it's the exact same five years later or three years later or in some cases two years later. Normally, coaches understand what the deal is. They've got to get the groceries in. So they've got to go recruit and they bring guys in who can recruit and then they slowly overturn that staff. Once they start getting that talent on campus, then they understand we got to do something with it. And if we don't feel that our coaching staff is capable of doing both, okay, we prioritized one extreme to start off with. Now let's subtly start making the shift. You don't do it all at once, but you start making the shift. So got the groceries. All right, now let's go find some folks who know how to cook. And that's exactly, I think, what Dan Lanning's going to do. I think that's what Mario Cristobal's going to do. 
And if I were running Pate State University, that's probably what I would do. Next up, we have the esteemed Sergeant Fishlips 901. He says, what is the meaning of life during the off season? Of course, not a word we're allowed to say out loud here, but we can whisper off season. And he says, what is the meaning of life during those critical months that do not fall between September, October, November, December, early January. In other words, casual season. What is the meaning of life during casual season? Well, I'll tell you, Sergeant Fishlips 901, henceforth to be referred to as Sarge. Sarge, I'll tell you what it means to me. What it means to me is it's a time to regroup. It's a time to be a little bit more creative with our shows, but it's also a time to get out on the road and go meet people. Now, I was talking to someone at a major university yesterday. I've actually talked to a few this week who I fully intend on actually getting out on the road and face-to-face -face speaking with. I'm excited about this. There's some opportunity coming up for myself and therefore for the show indirectly to establish better relationships. There are so many people inside college football programs and athletic departments who listen to the pod. I hear from them daily here multiple times per day. I would say on average, I hear from about three or four people inside athletic departments. Sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's zero. But I hear from a lot of folks. Um, they're not all coaches. A lot of them are coaches. We got a ton of coaches who listen to the show. Got quite a few players. Uh, I, the coaches reach out all the time. I really appreciate when they reach out and let me know I'm off base on something because that really helps guide the conversation here. That's why I don't think we have a massive miss rate. We don't have a big bust rate on the show because a lot of times when I start going down a road that may be incorrect, defensive line coach here, coordinator here, several head coaches reach out and they'll say, hey, so uh, I got wind of this. You might want to know that about this. Thank you. I'll shut up. That's all it takes. Uh, I know a lot of nutritionists, strength and conditioning staff. Uh, that was probably my favorite conversations, actually. Player personnel, director of football ops. Anyway, I'm naming all the titles because it shows you how broad and expansive the average major college football athletic department is. I want to get out and actually meet some of you guys. I've got here and then COVID happened. Haven't really been able to be out on the road. So I would say that's going to be the meaning to this offseason for me. It's to actually go meet some folks when it's not a game day. You can meet on their terms. It's not on a sideline somewhere. It's not in a tunnel somewhere. It's not just in your DMs or text messages. And I think that really, really helps us craft our show a lot better because it just adds to the level of informity. It doesn't mean that you run and find the nearest microphone and share all the details. 95% of what I get told is off the record anyway. But what it does is it helps me not say as much stupid stuff as I otherwise would had I not been given this bit of information or been nudged in that direction. So it's a fine line you walk, obviously. You don't want to work PR for someone, nor do they want you to. Most of them are very respectful. But that is going to be my goal, one of many. I've also got to do a fair amount of storm chasing. I guess those are the other relationships I value. A couple of storm chasing teams have reached out and said, hey, saddle up, ride with us in the spring. I will be cashing those offers in, by the way. Don't offer me to come chase with you if you don't want me to come chase with you because it will happen. Stewart's next up. Stewart has a question that's going to be very relevant this coming weekend. He said, as college football commissioner, would you promise to only schedule championship games in regions of the country that don't freeze in January? My initial response here is yes. But here's what could happen. 
I could go to Indianapolis this week and just fall in love with the city and the folks could treat us right and the game could be handled brilliantly and I could say, hey, there's a roof on this place so the weather didn't matter. And you know what? I was not crazy about walking the streets of downtown Indianapolis in 14 layers of clothes, but the experience more than made up for it. That could happen, could not, we'll see. I did not enjoy my trip to Santa Clara a couple of years ago. It's not anything against the host city. It's just... I don't think college football fits in some cities. I'm not saying that about Indy. I've never seen a game there. Plus, it's in the middle of Big Ten country, and they host the Big Ten championship game. So that's not exactly an apples-to-apples comparison. I get that. But when it comes to championship games, here's how I would do it, and here's how I would balance it out if I were trying to be fair about it. I would have multiple opening weekend games in all kinds of cities in the Midwest, Uh, in the upper Midwest, if it had to be Indianapolis or maybe Green Bay, Chicago, I would try and give those cities big time college football events to open the season because I would know under my administration, we are not going to be playing national championship games up there when we have perfectly good cities like New Orleans and Miami and uh, Pasadena. How about that? Yeah, like those are championship cities in January. Like that's where I would put the games. But I know why they're doing what they're doing. They're letting cities bid on the games, just like the Super Bowl, WrestleMania is handled this way. I understand it. It's an effort to grow the game. Jonathan, next up, he has two questions. Normally, I don't entertain two questions, but these are pretty direct and to the point. Uh, His first question is, who do you think you are? Uh, My name is Joshua. And his second question is, what gives you the right? I would say my contract. Some of you get the reference. Others don't. I'm not going to try and impersonate the office. You just need to watch the scene. But it is a brilliantly acted scene. Toby's finally getting out of here. He is the evil, evil snail of an HR director. Michael hates him. He's very contemptible. And so on the last day, Michael has to do his exit review. This is great. Oh, it's like Nirvana. And then Holly walks in. And that wasn't the plan. But Michael's already got his script pulled out. And so he just goes through his list of questions he was going to ask Toby. And the first question is, who do you think you are? What gives you the right And uh, that's what just got asked. And I try and answer all questions, as many as I can, that come in the inbox. And those were two of them. So don't say I didn't answer you there, Jonathan. I got you, brother. Uh, Next up is Grumpy Old Sarge, our second Sarge of the pod. Big what ifs. (laughs) Yeah, these are big. I can see them now, actually. Immunity. Harbaugh leaves Michigan. Ryan Day leaves Ohio State. (laughs) Who are they hiring? So both of them are leaving. You know, this is kind of weird. I don't know if most of you are aware of this. Well, you may have seen the Harbaugh headlines. You know, there are Ryan Day rumors out there. What what form of validity you choose to give them, I'll leave that up to you. But there are rumors. There is a subset of college football Twitter that firmly believes Jim Harbaugh is about to take an NFL job. So is Ryan Day. Also, that same subset will lead you to believe that Ohio State already has Luke Fickle lined up. And if not there, then Michigan may have him lined up or Michigan may have Matt Campbell lined up. And so a month from now, the head coach at Ohio State will be Luke Fickle and the head coach at Michigan will be Matt Campbell. I know none of this. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to say it right now because whoever had told me probably locked me down in a dungeon until it actually went down. Having said that, I guess if we went down the path where both of them left, I guess I just gave you my answers. Luke Fickle would be a hot name. I assume he would be called immediately for Ohio State's job. Because if you lock down Luke Fickle, just think about this. Luke Fickle 
Number one, knows Ohio State. You have very little doubt about him. You know his character. You know his makeup and all that stuff. You know that he's a very, very good football coach. And you know he'd be a lifer for you unless he himself went to the NFL. And then at Michigan, Matt Campbell is a guy who you look at at Iowa State and say has probably maximized the potential of the program there. He may not think that, but I think most people look and they understand there's some really good things they've been able to do there. That program at Michigan, along with Notre Dame, those have always been two that have been mentioned with Matt Campbell. I don't know how real that is. Sometimes rumors get started, and in absence of anyone shooting them down, they just continue to permeate. But I think those would be my answer. So give me Fickle to Ohio State, which I don't think is happening for the record. I don't know that it's happening. And give me Matt Campbell to Michigan. Again, if it were to happen. Great big if. Arthur, up next, trying to incriminate me here, trying to entrap me and make me incriminate myself. Well, he's not trying to, but his question, if I answered it directly, would force me to. So let's be careful here. He said, when and where did you record that train clip? And could you tell us more about the cornfield imagery? These are two questions. The answers are very, very connected, though. So the first question is, where did I record that train clip? There's a brand new GIF of me floating around. I can't take credit for it, although it is of me. A buddy shot it, who was with me at the time, and it has been turned into a GIF. Uh, Some people don't realize what they're actually looking at. So what it looks like is I'm sitting somewhere watching a train go by, and I just turn and give the thumbs up. What you don't realize is we're actually on a train watching a train go by. And I don't mean Amtrak, guys. I mean full freight bandit mode. We're out there on a freight train. Uh, So we do that from time to time. Told you, three hobbies of mine, college football, storm chasing, train hopping. I recommend a maximum of one out of those three to most of you if you're normal adults or normal people in general. But here's what happened. What happened was uh, during some time, I want to be very vague here, some time during my very short Christmas break, that was recorded somewhere in the southeast that's as specific as i'd like to get now the second question was could you tell us more about the cornfield imagery you guys remember back when the season was about to start when i was building up to the iowa versus iowa state game i was so jacked that i was going to get to go to ames iowa for my first ever iowa state game and we did uh the result not exactly what i wanted but it was also 96 degrees that day as i look at snow uh, fall sideways outside my window now but it was a nice trip. We loved our trip up there. Like we were very, very well received. But leading up to that, I kept posting this picture of me out in the middle of a cornfield. Like I was looking up to heaven, arms extended. That also was taken on a train hopping expedition. We were in somewhere in rural Georgia. It's as specific as I'd like to get again. We were out obviously in a cornfield. And what's funny is I was out there And then I posted it in correlation with the Iowa-Iowa State game. And all these folks from Iowa, a.k.a. Iowans, they kept coming at me and saying, I can tell that's not Iowa corn. Like, I don't know the difference in corn. Corn's corn to me. That's going to be very, very ill-received amongst my friends in Iowa. Corn was corn to me. So I didn't know. But they corrected me. But anyway, both of those pictures, as it turns out, they come from the same sort of trip. It is a train hopping trip. A THT, as we call them in the industry the industry of train hopping. Next up, a very, very pressing question, probably one of the more pressing questions of our time. Does Kirby look more like an Arby's manager or a Checkers manager? I've got a very quick answer to this. Kirby Smart's probably like me. Kirby Smart is probably an Arby's manager because I think they get paid a little bit more, but he's steadily sneaking out the back during his smoke break, but he's not really smoking because we don't smoke. He's going over to Checkers because he secretly likes the fries better. Checkers has better fries than Arby's. 
I haven't tested this theory in a while. I think Checkers has better fries than Arby's, but it's a smaller chain, but we happen to have one in Columbus. And I used to get the fries. I go somewhere else for everything else. I would get the fries at Checkers. So Kirby's probably doing okay for himself managing that Arby's, but he rolls with the Checkers fries. I fully believe that. Ruben up next. Interesting question here. Never been asked this. He said, how much does weightlifting help your ability to do your job on a daily basis? I think it's imperative, but I can't exactly tell you why. I will say I think it correlates very, very evenly to the drive that you need to have just to be at the top of your game because to me being at the top of our game collectively you and I and our production staff and I view it as a joint effort obviously for us to be at the top of our game means to be at the top of the industry means to have the best show out there to do that you don't take days off you don't mail shows in that sounds like it's common sense and everyone can say when they sign the contract oh I'm going to work hard and everyone can say I'm not going to take days off Okay, well, get 57 shows in, get 310 shows in, and just wake up on a random Tuesday and don't feel it. But know that you got millions of folks out in an audience who expect you to be at the top of your game no matter what. Like, you expect a certain standard to be met on this show, and you got to go meet it. Doesn't really matter how you feel. You got to go meet it. Oh, by the way, a lot of the folks in that audience are working jobs they cannot stand right now. If you dare to call yourself working when all you're doing is talking in a microphone about football and you give them a subpar product, they'd tune you out. I'd tune me out if I did that. Well, I work out the same way. Like I go to the gym and feel the same way. In fact, the days where I end up getting the best work in are some of the days where I feel like trash when I pull up in the parking lot. Because those are the days where you've got to trigger something. Tell you another place this used to happen to me in sports. Uh, there's this trigger, this mental trigger, the mechanism, as uh, Kevin Costner called it in For Love of the Game. You got to clear the mechanism sometimes. And the mechanism is just all the junk that shouldn't be there. Clear it out of there. Focus on the task at hand and then be as close to perfect as God will possibly let you be. But to do that sometimes, it's hard. Uh, but what you can do is you can use it to your advantage. So in sports back in the day, specifically in baseball, it is hard to play baseball in cold weather. I hate it. I hate cold. I specifically hate wind in cold weather. So what I, what I learned is you cannot control the weather. We're playing outdoors, obviously. You cannot control the weather. The other guy is mandated to be in the same weather you are. So what I learned is if you can truly clear the mechanism, if you can suck it up, you can turn it into a two-on-one. If you're playing tennis, it's a two-on-one. If it's baseball, you can turn it into 10-on-nine. Chances are the other guy is too mentally weak to think that way. The other guy is going to be affected by the external factors. If the external factors are going to be there regardless, if you can be mentally tough enough to harness them, you actually turn them into your advantage. You are using your own God-given ability and you're using the weather against that other guy. I used to think that way. Well, I also think that way when I go to the gym. If I don't feel like going, there are other people out there who don't feel like going. Even though I'm not technically competing against them, I kind of pretend I am for this scenario. I think about a hundred other people sitting in a parking lot at the same time I am. And there are countless people at the same time I am sitting in that parking lot not feeling like going in. I am going to harness that feeling. I'm going to clear the mechanism and I'm going in there. It's also the same way when we are formatting a show. There's this obvious low-hanging fruit over here. Now, I've got sense enough to look at it and say, that's so cheap. And I know every show is going to run with that. And we could too, and we'd turn a good number on it. But our audience would see through it. 
because I know who our audience is. I know who my audience is. I know you would see through it and I know you would actually look at it and you would say, wait a second, I come over to this show because it's not like all those other shows. Why did he just do a segment that sounds like all the other segments and sounds like all these other shows out here? That's kind of cheap. I use that and I clear the mechanism, get the junk out of here, and I say, nope, not talking about that. Let's go talk about something else. Let's go do a mood tracker for Colorado football instead of talking about that. Uh, that's kind of how I approach it. And I know that sounds really hodgepodge, but if you get down to the core of it, it's the same mentality for everything. It's a very process-oriented mentality, but you got to be very clear on what your destination is. Like, what is the goal? Where are you headed? Because you can run in a circle as fast as Usain Bolt and not really get anywhere. You got to be running straight. You got to be running towards something. What are you working towards? Same way in the gym, same way with our show, same way professionally, personally. I don't know how in the world this turned into a Tony Robbins convention, but that's kind of the way that I think. So I do think that working out does help. And also it, it keeps your engine going all day too. The way I like to do it is I'll go to the gym before we do a show because I want to I want to make the end of that show the finish line for the day. And I want to be able to finish very strong. If I were doing the show and then going to the gym, I don't think that would work. But doing the gym and then going to the show, I think that works out very well. And that's how I stack every single one of my days. Last question. Last ding, ding, ding. Last question alert. We'll do it right after this. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else, and it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash, and they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights, you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back. No questions asked. So head to BollandBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Kenny's coming at us with a question that's going to make you think a little bit. He said, does NIL make athletic scholarships somewhat obsolete for recruiting purposes? Do you get what he's saying? Think about this now. Kenny's saying, does NIL, do, in other words, players making money off their name, likeness, and image, and all that good stuff, does that make scholarships obsolete? Well, here's what he's saying. Everyone's focused on the hard number, the 25, 85, and you can only sign 25 kids in a class. Well, that's not true. You can only sign kids to 25 scholarships per class. That's the rule. You can go get walk-ons all day long. And normally what walk-on, well, what walk-on has meant is a kid that wasn't good enough to sign a scholarship. But see, what if it all of a sudden becomes this? What if I own Pate State car dealership over here? 
and I am working in conjunction. Well, let's say I own a, con- a car dealership and I am a booster for paid state. So there we go. Let's say a scholarship in any given year to Pate State is worth $50,000. We're pretty high end over here. We value the academics and the athletics. Let's say that car dealership signs up five guys per year and pays their full ride. Like that's what they are giving them in NIO money. They are giving them what equates to the scholarship plus some more money on top of that. Well, at that point, those kids don't really need my scholarship. I'm working hand in hand with that car dealership to basically work around having to give those guys a scholarship. So I've got a five-star running back who's technically a walk-on. That's what Kenny's saying. And what stops schools from doing that? My answer, Kenny, is I don't know. This is where it really benefits us, as I said before, to have compliance directors and player personnel folks who listen to the show because they will reach out. And I'll get an answer on this in my inbox probably by sundown. Uh, Anyone who's welcome, by the way, to contribute at Late Kick Josh. Inbox is always open. I think there may be something that is immediately said that makes me go, oh, but off the top of my head, I don't know what that would be. That's kind of everybody learning as they go. That's kind of been the nature of this whole thing. All right, we got to get out of here. I got to get this sent to producer Jordan. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Spotify, Apple, doesn't matter where you are. You can give a five-star review now. Podcast is rocketing up the charts. Took a little dip for Christmas. Boy, we are back. Back in a big way. These numbers are insane. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know I don't take it for granted, but even if you know it already, I'm going to tell you again, I don't take it for granted. This is the best job in the world, and I just try and make it the best show that it can possibly be for every single one of us. Thank you so much. For producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have yourselves a great rest of your day, and God bless. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.